Hey there, everybody. Good day. I hope life is wonderful for you. I really, truly do. And I say that very excited about our guest today. This is going to be a fun conversation. One of my favorite people on the planet is hanging out with us here today. She's got a new role doing some cool stuff. She's a part of a program that I do not think a lot of people know about in some ways. And I think that people need to know because this is one of these chances we get to lean into what our government's doing for us around agriculture and the opportunities that are, are out there for people to grasp onto. We're going to talk about that today. She's got a big job doing some cool stuff. So everybody, please give it up for my friend, who is now a part of the USDA's National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Please give it up for Dr. Jessica Shade. Welcome. Thank you so much, Todd. I'm really excited to be here again I'm, in a different again. Role. <laughs> I know again, again, and I love it. Well, you know, when we when we connected and started going back and forth about all this and. and I looked into what you were doing. We had a great phone conversation a couple months back about the whole nine yards. I was a little bit blown away. Like, yeah, okay. I don't know anything about this. And I'm really naive. And it's like, what are you guys doing? It's like, wow, this is really, really cool. And the, the, the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, NIFA, by the way, get ready. Cause we're playing, this is the USDA. So you play acronym Scrabble when you work for the ground, the USDA. So NIFA from here on out, kids get ready for that. Learn it. But you guys provide leadership funding for programs to advance agriculture related through science and everything else. I mean, it's amazing what you all do. And I'm looking forward to get into this, talk about your programs and everything else. But before we do that, would you please tell everybody a little bit about yourself and say hello. And uh, I'm just thrilled you're here. I'm, I'm giddy. I'm giddy right now, Jess. I'm giddy. Thanks, Todd. Well, let me go way back to oh, the start God's sakes, universe. you're not that old. Way back. I have t-shirts <laughs> that go way back older than you. <laughs> well, I haven't I have agricultural heritage, let's say, on both my mother and my father's side of the family, um, but from very different contexts. So my mother is from South America with roots in the Pampas of Argentina, growing olives and grapes, while my father hails from the Midwest, so a lot of corn soy rotations. You know, but being despite being immersed in agriculture, I didn't really see myself as being a part of that culture, and especially not as a scientist until much right. later in my life. So I was raised in a community where I just didn't have many role models who were scientists who looked like me or had family like mine. So I started my academic career at the University of California, Santa Cruz, as an art and communications major, which is kind of funny because nobody... Nobody would think that from knowing me now. Um, and while studying there, I became part owner of an organic food cooperative and was able to spend my winter breaks with my family in Argentina. And those experiences really allowed me to start making connections between myself and science. So I changed directions academically and started taking scientific and agronomic courses and ended up double majoring in plant sciences and environmental sciences. And then post-graduation, I worked as a field crew leader for the Bureau of Land Management and then went to the University of California, Berkeley to get oh, bears. my Yeah. <laughs> Um, where my research focused on plant population genetics. And while I was there, I got several fellowships 
to kind of support my graduate work, including an NSF National Science Foundation. Definitely that alphabet soup you're talking about. Oh, exactly. Um, scrub, I'm telling you. Yep. <laughs> so I got a National Science Foundation fellowship which trained me to teach science to middle school students from low-income communities. And that position helped me refine my communication skills because you have never seen a more difficult audience to capture than the attention of 30, 12-year-olds. Yeah, pretty positive of that. Yeah. So I also did a lot of work with groups focused on increasing diversity in the sciences, um, building on my own experiences and kind of mm -hmm. non-standard pathway to graduate school. And I mentored for a variety of organizations promoting diversity in STEM fields. Um, on the professional side of things, a lot of my knowledge about agricultural systems was honed as the director of science programs for the Organic Center. And I was lucky enough to have a fantastic board of directors president, Todd, um, who mentored me along the way. So as you know, I was there whew, for almost a decade yeah. uh, because it was a great way to combine my interest in science my background in agriculture while leveraging my strength at communication, research, um, assembling networks, and consensus building. Um, so for those of you who are listening who aren't familiar with the Organic Center, I know that I was on the, you know, this podcast um, while I was at the Organic Center, and mm -hmm. I think Amber may have been on as well. So She's coming. Probably a lot of you already know it, but it's a nonprofit that focuses on conducting and communicating agricultural research through strategic grant making, um, research collaborations with universities, effective communication with industry representatives and government agencies, etc. Um, and Todd, I think you and I were both kind of brought into the organic center in this time of transition. So you mm -hmm. as the board of trustees president, me as the director of science programs to launch a new direction of academic focus for the organization um, to establish and maintain broad networks of collaborators and build a reputation of excellence as an institution that leads the field in creating cross-sector partnerships to address right. existing and emerging problems. Um, so it was this great opportunity to be part of such an impactful organization. And now as a national program leader for NIFA, I've been able to take a lot of that experience, knowledge and leadership and expand it beyond organic at a national level, which has been right. really fun. Yeah, so, for sure it is. For yeah. sure it is. Well, your background's just so suited for this because you have, I think, such a unique perspective to bring to this organization and to bring to this program. And I think that, you know, when you take a look at the people that work for the USDA, it amazes me the talent that they have and the people that are doing such a heavy lift that don't necessarily people don't know, they don't recognize, they don't realize. And that's why I was excited about doing this with you because Hey, you're an amazing speaker. People are going to get a lot of it, but there's so much available to the industry through what you all are doing that I, again, I just think people need to get that education. Like, wow, I should be a part of, I need to get on this website. I need to know what's going on because it's so valuable. So I throw that out there and ask this question. Let's give everybody a little bit of a, what is NIFA, right? What is the National Institute of Food and Agriculture? 
Yes, this is a great question because, like you said, there are a lot of people out there who probably haven't heard of it before. So what NIFA does is we provide funding for food and agricultural sciences. Um, It was created through the Food Conservation and Energy Act of 2008, also known as the Farm Bill. People are probably more familiar with that term. Um, With the mission of investing in and advancing agricultural research, education, and extension to solve societal challenges um, and, and the vision of catalyzing transformative discoveries, um, education, and engagement to address agricultural challenges. So in short, we work to solve regional and national issues around food and farming. Yeah. And our programs work to advance the administrative priorities of USDA. So those are addressing climate change via climate mm-hmm. smart agriculture and forestry, advancing racial, racial justice, equity, and opportunity, um, creating more and better market opportunities, tackling food and nutri- nutrition insecurity. And there's also this kind of fun priority, which is just making USDA a great place to work for everyone, which I have been the beneficiary of. So a lot of those priorities you'll see echoed in all of our funding opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's kind of neat to see how they plug in with what we're funding. Well, in a lot of ways, you know, you're talking to people, you're literally the pathway in a lot of ways to the future of farming. And I think that you guys are so in such a unique position because you are looking, you don't have a microscopic lens. You're not focused on one singular thing. You're looking at, to your point, how do we advance and engage people to advance the agricultural challenges that we're facing, right? And, and, and there's a lot of them. I mean, look, you know, we're both in California. You say the word water and you can go in many directions, right, in this state. And so to be able to look at that and, and know that those resources are available, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Tell people, though, more specifically, before we dive into this, exactly kind of what your role is um, as a national program leader, because I think that's really going to help people go, oh, OK, now I get how get how this Ouija board's working now. Yeah. And, you know, this is a question that I get all the time. What do you do? What is yeah. a national program leader? So what I do is I administer research education and extension programs that address national agricultural priorities. So some of the things that I do are things like collaborating with teams to make sure that our research funding programs run smoothly, um, that all the proposals are having a thorough and fair review. Um, I provide national leadership and interagency coordination in my assigned programming areas. Um, I review and approve plans of work and annual reports for land-grant universities. And I also make sure that the program requests for applications, so the RFAs, reflect the needs of farmers and the priority set by Congress. Um, And specifically, I work in three different program areas. So one, which I'll probably be talking about most on this in this program is the Specialty Crop Research Initiative. Um, But I also work in the Urban Indoor and Emerging Ag Program and the Data Science for Food and Agriculture Systems area within the Agriculture and Food Research Initiative. So- Well, the first two sound great. The third one sounds boring. I'm not gonna lie to you. (laughs) 
Well, you know, it's funny. It might sound boring, but it totally overlaps. All of these oh, programs yeah. sure have a do. lot of commonalities. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of specialty crops being grown in urban and indoor farms, and large scale data analysis could be helpful on multiple levels within well, data, yeah, Look, data yeah. is the thing, right? Data is data is data is, is what everybody's leaning into now. And data is good, data is bad, right? There's good and bad parts, right? You and but to be able to capture it in a in a in a in an agricultural format and to be able to understand how data is making a difference to the farmer in a downturn economy, lack of resources, blah, 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 all these things. It's so powerful. And we need to be really thinking about it. And I love the fact that you guys put so much energy into it. Yeah. And so much data is being created right now that there needs to be a focus on, okay, we have all this data. What do we do with it? How can it be used in a way that will actually help farmers instead of just creating data that kind of goes into the ether? Well, so let's talk a little bit. Let's, let's get into, you know, what, what you guys, you know, and NIFA actually fund, right? And how does that work? Because it's, it's, you know, you, you think about it and people are like, okay, this is kind of interesting. I don't think people realize what your budget is. I don't think realize yeah. what you all, what you guys are, you know, like you guys, you guys, you know, your sandbox is just not, you know, a little skimpy part of sand. There's a lot of sand in your sandbox. Talk a little bit about how you're funded and what you do. Yeah. So our, our total annual budget is around $1.8 billion. That's a B kids. Uh, so- That's a B. Yeah, that's that's definitely a very large sandbox, as you say. And we have mm-hmm. these two overarching types of grants. So the first is what we call capacity grants. These are non-competitive. Um, they provide support and research, support for research and extension mm-hmm. activities at land-grant institutions through grants to states on the basis of statutory formulas. So rather than having to you know rather than having a competitive process for a set amount of funding based on a proposal budget these provide land grant institutions funding using a formula um, the other type of grants that we administer are competitive programs and these are the ones that most people outside of the land grant institutions sure. are more familiar with um, they provide support directly for research, education, and extension through grants that are scientifically peer-reviewed and then awarded. Um, and within the competitive grants, there are two main types. Um, you know, I mentioned that one of my programs is the data science for food and agriculture systems area within the agriculture and food research initiative. So we call that AFRI. That's the acronym we use for that one. I'm, I'm so, writing it down. I have a scorecard. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to, you're I, not going to beat, you're not going to beat me this time. <laughs> I have a whole list myself of the acronyms that I use. I use flashcards. It helps me. It, it does. Yeah, I'm it telling does. you. So the programs that fall under AFRI support research education and extension activities in six farm bill priority areas, plant health and production and plant products, animal health and production and animal products, food safety, nutrition and health, um, bioengineering, natural resources and the environment, agriculture systems and technology. And then the last one is agriculture, economics and rural communities. And then the other type of competitive grants that we have 
at NIFA are those that don't fall under AFRI. So those include programs like the Specialty Crop Research Initiative. But right. in general, those programs have broader priorities that are often congressionally mandated. Um, although you'll find no shortage of diversity within or outside of AFRI. Um, there's just a lot of really cool and very diverse programs at NIFA. Oh, it's unbelievable when you when you when you take the time to to sit down and get on the Google machine and get into it. It's amazing the different things you have going on. And I think the one that that, that I want to lean into right now, which is probably the most common buzzword that people are going to recognize, is the specialty crop research initiative. So, um, give you a two part question on that one: a) what is it? And the second part: you know, what kind of projects does the specialty crop research initiative fund? If you wouldn't mind tying it both together, I think it'd probably be a good segue. Yeah, so the Specialty Crop Research Initiative, the acronym we use for that one is SCRI. So if I slip okay. into my acronym I'm language. Sorry. I, already have, I already have it down here. You're not going to get past me. Um, so the SCRI was first authorized in the 2008 Farm Bill to fund right. research and extension specifically on specialty crops. And it was, it was this response to industry members specialty crop industry members who came together and pushed Congress on needing support for specialty crop research and extension. And it was first funded at $35 million, and then it's been steadily increased through the Farm Bill iterations. Um, and one thing to note is that in the in 2013, the farm bill lapsed, so SCRI right. wasn't offered. It was kind of a rough year for a lot of researchers who really rely on this funding for long-term systems trials. So just sure. as a slide. Um, and right now, we're currently funded at $80 million annually. And the most recent update to the program expanded the legislative focus areas. So the program encompasses this really wide variety of priorities. We have five congressionally mandated priority areas. The first one focuses on plant breeding, genetics, and genomics for everything from taste to environmental stress. Um, the second one addresses threats from pests and diseases and mm -hmm. also includes pollinator health. Um, the third one is this really broad category that includes production efficiency, handling, processing, competitiveness in trade, profitability, um, and also a better understanding of soil, the soil microbiome and extending the storage life of specialty crops. Mm -hmm. The fourth priority looks at new innovations and in technology for, for everything from mechanization and automation to monitoring systems. And then the fifth one focuses on food safety risks. Right. And what we're really trying to facilitate with the Specialty Crop Research Initiative is project concepts that are built from the stakeholders. So we right. want to make sure that the researchers are engaging growers before they even come up with the research agenda to ask growers what their challenges are and build a research concept together that meets the needs of the group. So this really collaborative process that engages the industry, engages growers from the inception of the project. And everything that you just described, I assure you, is a thought that a farmer has going across his mind once a day. 
in some yeah. way or another, some conversation, maybe once we, uh, some way or another, th- these things that you all are doing are a part of agriculture's everyday life. And to be able to have not only a place where things like this are happening as a resource, but to be, and to your point, going to growers to get involved into how are we going to feed 9.5 billion people on this planet, good, clean, healthy, safe food. Again, that's why I love about this conversation because it's an opportunity for people to step up and get involved. Because I think the number one thing that people don't recognize about the USDA is you all want people to be involved. You guys don't lock the door when you go to work in the morning. It, It swings open if you walk through it. And it's so important that we recognize that as an industry, that folks like you that are carrying just a big load of water up that hill to to win the day are out there and available as a resource. And I think it's something we've got to be mindful of. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that this is such a big issue. And that's kind of one of the reasons why the Specialty Crop Research Initiative was developed. There are a lot of grants out there that's that fund small scale projects, which are critically important first steps. But what Absolutely. the SRI does is it has this bigger budget so we can fund bigger projects. So, you know, we fund coordinated agriculture projects. Those are kind of the largest projects that we fund right. that last up to four years and have a budget of around $2 million per year. So we're funding eight to $10 million projects at a time, which is really important because, um, because a lot, a lot of times those small steps need to be leveraged into larger scale projects to really tackle the complexities that we're seeing on the field. hundred percent. And I, and thank you for saying, I think this is really important. The size of the project doesn't matter. It's the project that matters. You have to start somewhere. An idea starts with a singular thought, right? And it becomes multiple thoughts to a bigger idea. And I think it's really important that we recognize that the, the, the smallest thing could turn into the biggest revolution change that we're going to see in our industry. And I love the fact that you guys lean in from top to bottom on that. I think it's so important that you're just not all the fluff and all, you know, this and that and the word of the day, because there's some people doing some really, really cool stuff in agriculture that need that support and that uplift. Because again, it, it may not be what they're working on today. It's what they what today turned tomorrow into could change the world. And I think it's so powerful. Yeah, yeah I really do. Well, let's talk a little bit because you guys, you know, you, you really put science knowledge into practice, right? Your integrated approach, as you talked about, you got research, you got uh, education, you have extension. So in that process, and I want to get into this because I know this is something that's, that, that you're really, really involved in. Let's talk about this relevancy review process that you go through. What do people have to do? You know, let's get people coming alongside. Like, okay, how does this work? How do I get involved? So if you wouldn't mind just touching on that a little bit. Yeah. So SCRI is kind of unique. So the Specialty Crop Research Initiative is unique because it goes through a two-tiered review process. Mm-hmm. Um, most programs just have a scientific merit review process. So applicants turn in their application, it gets reviewed by scientists um, for the merit of the proposal, and then funding recommendations get made. With the Specialty Crop Research Initiative, in addition to the standard scientific review panel, SCRI grants get reviewed by industry members too, through what's called the Stakeholder Relevancy Review. Um, So for the SCRI applicants, 
they have to submit pre-applications. So instead of just straight to full applications, they submit these pre-applications and those pre-applications get reviewed by industry members. So farmers, you know, growers, packers, shippers, et cetera, really experts in the specialty crop industry to make sure that the application is really relevant to the industry, but it's tackling a critical need for the sector. Um, We usually have about 16 different groups of relevant relevancy reviewers. Um, So, you know, we'll have different groups based on the applications that we get. Some will be focused on berries, some will be focused on tree fruit, fruit, et cetera. Um, And each of those groups have about nine different reviewers in them. So 16 groups, nine different reviewers in each of those groups. You can see that it really adds up to a lot of reviewers. But but it's the industry though, but let's be fair. It's the industry coming to the table. I want to make sure people recognize that, that it's just not, you know, you you went down the hall and got, you know, somebody from the typing pool to come in here and say, hey, would you look at this? This is literally the industry checks and balances looking forward as an industry together. And I think that's powerful as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, And what's really neat is that it means that the industry is having a say in which proposals end up getting funded because they're the ones who are helping us decide which applications to invite for a full proposal. So once those pre-applications get invited for a full proposal, then the full applications, they still go through a scientific merit review. You know, we still we still want to make sure that well, the sure. science is critical um, and sound. And each proposal gets reviewed by three to four panelists who all provide written comments of the applications that they read. And then the panelists discuss each proposal at a panel meeting. Um, And then the final funding decision gets made as a combination of the relevancy review and the scientific merit reviews with an equal weight being given to each review. And I'll also note, I know that your audience has a lot of um, industry members listening. There are also a lot of industry members who have scientific backgrounds and can serve on either the relevancy review or the scientific merit review. You know, we really have found that scientists from the industry can give some unique perspective to the scientific Mm -hmm. merit reviews. So there are kind of these two opportunities um, to get engaged. Well, and and look, and and I think people need to be mindful. Kids, it's your tax dollars, right? It's, 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 you know, you're contributing to this. So as as, as an industry person, why wouldn't you want to go and be a part of this? And the opportunity is there. I mean, you pick up the phone, say, I want to help. I don't think they're going to hang up on you. I'm pretty sure you're going to get, you know, you're going to get called to action and they need the help. So talk about a little bit about this, you know, what, what's a winning combination that you look at for success too? Because I think that's a kind of an interesting thought process. Yeah. And it's a good question because we get a lot. I try, you know, I try to throw <laughs> one good one out of the 500 that I have up in front of me. I try hard. Well, we get a lot of, we get a lot of proposals, you know, we're getting, sometimes over a hundred proposals and all the proposals are really high quality. So understanding how to have a successful, what makes a successful project is really important. And, And what, what a success to be successful with the SCRI, you need a project that is 
first of all, absolutely critical for a specialty crop. Not yeah, so, so a, trip, a trip to Fiji is not going to work. <laughs> or yeah. even not even, we don't even want, we don't even fund things that are kind of esoterically important for crops. We want a project that comes from stakeholders where right. stakeholders are the ones identifying the issues and then a collaboration develops between the researchers and the growers and that's maintained throughout the life of the project. And when I say we, I really mean the reviewers. <laughs> I'm not the one who's well, of making Of course, yeah, 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 right. Right, it's the experts who are reviewing these proposals. Um, so, it, you know, these projects really need to turn that academically led research on its head to be grower led with grower involvement. Um, it also needs to be scientifically sound. So I've mentioned the scientific merit reviews. So we really need top tier science that is novel. And it has to have a really clear pathway for getting information to the audience that needs to know about that information to make management right. decisions. So extension has to be both clear and effective. You can't just share results in a webinar and then call it a day. The project has to highlight how it's going to have a high likelihood of impact, not just a high likelihood of producing results. Right. Um, another part of the puzzle for SCRI is that the projects need to be systems-based and transdisciplinary. So a systems-based approach is a mm -hmm. framework that's based on the belief that the, com the component parts of a system can best be understood in the context of relationships with each other and with other systems rather than in isolation. Um, so the only way to fully understand why a problem or element occurs and persists is to understand that part in relation to the whole. So, if you're looking at a plant disease, for example, mm -hmm. rather than just looking at chemical materials to attack the disease vector, you'll also look at things like how soil amendment properties or planting methods um, and beneficial insects all interact to manage the disease. And then I also mentioned transdisciplinary. So yeah. transdisciplinary approaches kind of take this a step further. Mm -hmm. They incorporate multiple disciplines, all working hand in hand to bring biological and physical scientists together with economists, social sciences, to address challenges in a very holistic manner. And this is really important for the impact of the project, because if for example, you know, you come up with a solution that doesn't make sense financially for a farmer right. or that will have negative societal impacts for farmers. They're not going to implement the findings, no matter how effective they are at whatever you're trying to solve for. Sure. And it's an important thing to highlight because a lot of researchers are still getting their head wrapped around what this looks like. Um, but the more that we learn, the more we realize that nothing can be looked at in isolation. And, you know, Todd, you come from organics, so I'm sure that you are also already very familiar with this, but it's 
all interconnected. And we need to incorporate that complexity Mm -hmm. into our larger scale projects. And as I mentioned, SCRI funds some pretty large scale projects. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's amazing, you know, and again, it's, it's a buzzword that's out there that people really have heard and read and whatever the case may be. That's why I thought it was really important to kind of dive deep into that. So let's get to the $100 question I want to throw at folks right now. And I think this is probably the most important question I'm going to throw at you all day. What's a call to action for the industry, right? What, what, what do stakeholders need to do to help NIFA, you know, do what they're doing? Yeah, I have two main calls to action. So one is please volunteer to be a reviewer if you have time, you know, even if you don't have a scientific background, if you're an expert in the specialty crop industry, you can be a reviewer on the relevancy review panel. Right. Um, And then the other thing that I wanted to mention is, you know, you mentioned this, Todd, just reaching out to program staff, staying connected about what you are experiencing if you're a grower or if you work with a lot of growers, what they're experiencing in the field. Just having that open communication with us, I guarantee you, if you reach out to a national program leader, they are going to be excited to talk to you. Hearing from farmers is our lifeblood. So just stay connected. Yeah, 100%. Well, Lynn, you know, so... I, and maybe I should have asked this question before, and you know, it kind of just hit me now. Is, is you know, why should people get involved? I think that's something that you know, because we've given them a great frame up of what you all are doing, right? And here's your call to action. But you know, why do they need to be involved? I think that's something people, you know, I think it's important for them to kind of go, yeah, what is the why behind that? Yeah, well, thanks for asking that because now I get to give people the hard sell on oh. being a reviewer. So I, I know. It's going to kind of sound grandiose to say that the success of overcoming agricultural challenges rests in people's participation in panel reviews. But truly, these reviews are what ensure that the projects with the most promising solutions to the most pressing challenges are getting funded. The reputation of the United States agriculture, our competitiveness in ag with the rest of the world, and the livelihoods of farmers depend on accurate, high-quality reviews of these proposals. So, you know, in some ways, you can think about this as your civic duty. This, This is the scaffolding that our agricultural advances are built on. Um, So that's my altruistic explanation of why people should do it. But reviewing proposals isn't just all altruistic. It also has a lot of benefits for the people who are reviewing. Reviewing. Yeah. yeah. So the relevancy reviewers, being a panelist is a great opportunity for commodity sectors because it's one of the major ways that industry members can ensure that SCRI projects are meeting their priorities. Um, especially because I mentioned those overall SCRI requests for application goals. Those are really broad priority areas that are mandated by the farm bill. So being a relevancy reviewer is a way to make sure that the more granular sector specific needs are being met. Um, For the scientific reviewers, the number one thing that I hear from reviewers is how much being a panel member improved their grant writing skills. Probably, yeah. Yeah, 
being on a review panel helps you understand what types of proposals receive awards. And it kind of gives you this insider perspective on the review process that can make any application that you're writing in the future more likely to be successful. Um, and Todd, you know, you know this probably from personal experience with me being the director of science programs at the Organic Center. We applied for several different grants, didn't get them. And then NIFA invited me to be a reviewer. I had this insider perspective. And then, bam, every single year after that, we You're got these large-scale NIFA grants. grants. So yeah. it, it's really not just it's what I hear. It's a person I, I know personally from personal experience if you are a reviewer, you will probably be a better grant writer and be more likely to, to receive grants from that experience. I love it. And you know, it, it's not grandiose. You know what it is? It's a new acronym. You know what the new acronym is? It's called CS. No, it's called CS. You know what it stands yeah. for? Yeah. No. Common sense, folks. <laughs> Common sense says get a part of this program because it will benefit your company. Being a part of understanding what you all are doing, it, it's, in my opinion, it's one of the, it's, it, it's one of the most important things in, in a lot of ways that's going on at USDA to be involved with, because to your point, we're not, you know, yes, you're talking about today, we're talking about tomorrow, and nobody knows what tomorrow is going to hold until it gets here. And the fact that we have an opportunity to be a part of that conversation and to work on these issues that we're struggling with and some of these things that need to be addressed, it's incredibly powerful. And I mean, and it's just literally laying there for people to come to. And that's why I felt so important to have you up here and talk about it. How do people get involved? Give folks the direction at this point, right? How, how, I mean, do we need to put, we'll drop popcorn and get them to their computers so they can type in? How do we do this for everybody? So uh, first of all, if you want to be a reviewer for the Specialty Crop Research Initiative, reach out to the program directors. So I work on a team with another national program leader, Tom Buick, and a program specialist, Megan O'Reilly. You can email any of us. My email is jessica.shade at usda.gov. Um, we'll put and, that up too. Okay, perfect. And just email me and say, hey, I'd like to be a reviewer. Here's what I do. Here's who I am. And we can get you on the list that we have that we email every year when we're looking for reviewers. The other mm. thing that people need to do um, is fill out a PRS profile. So PRS. Uh, you got me. PRS. For... Damn it. I don't have that one. I'm down one, nothing. Damn it. <laughs> that stands for proposal review system. So it's, it's one of the more direct ones, proposal review system. And it helps us manage application reviews, but it also helps us make sure that our panels are diverse. So Anyone can go ahead and set up a profile. You can do it anytime um, and it'll help streamline things after you reach out to me. And so the website to do that is prs.nifa.usda.gov. Cool. We'll put, we'll, put that, we'll put that up too for everybody to make it easy. We'll put that up on, our, on all our show information and our posting and stuff so people can grab that stuff really quickly. Make sure they have it in front of them. Super cool. So what's next? What is there something exciting? Yeah. Besides you're coming back, right? You're coming back. You're coming back. We'll come back next year. We're going to talk more about what NIFA's doing, keep people updated. We got to keep this in front of people. Yes. So I would say the next iteration of the farm bill is coming up in 2023. 
So be stay tuned one. with that. That's kind of exciting. Farm to see. Here. Mm-hmm. see what's going to go on. And then we also have some really cool new programs at USDA, one of which that I'm helping to lead. Um, and that's the Urban, Indoor and Emerging Agriculture Program. And it facilitates the development of urban, indoor, and other emerging agricultural production systems. So that one's going to be really interesting. I'm excited um, because it fills this niche within our funding programs that hasn't been filled before. So we're getting, you know, we're going to get all kinds of really exciting proposals from that. We just had the application deadline for that one. So stay tuned because in a few months, we'll likely be announcing the projects that get selected um, from funding after the review process. And then the other new program that people should keep an eye on for 2023 is the AFRI Sustainable Agricultural Systems area. So projects for sustainable ag systems have to focus on approaches that promote transformational changes in the U.S. food and agricultural system to increase agricultural production while also reducing its environmental footprint. And these are really large-scale, complex, transdisciplinary systems-based projects, and the funding levels of the grant reflect that. So, you know, these are $10 million projects. So there are going to be some really cool projects coming out of that program too. So those are my tips for what to watch out for over the next year. Absolutely love it. And you know, something that I think is just comes to top of mind right now is that democracy has many doors we can walk through. And this is an opportunity to be a part of changing our country's food system, being a part of our country's food system, leaning into tomorrow's version of the food system. And again, it's laying that the doors are there for people to walk through and there's really not a whole lot of barriers to come help, right? There's really not get there, reach out. As Jess said, we'll put your email up, reach out, get involved, get involved to know what's going on. I mean, if you're in this deal and you're wondering what the future is, the future is at NIFA today and being talked about and we need to step up and, and, and to join. I just think what you're doing is super powerful. I, it's just, I'm thrilled that we have this time to be able to hang out together. I mean, not just because it's you, you know that I do that in a heartbeat anyways, but it's just, I think what you guys are doing, the lift that you're doing, people need to know. And I really, really stress that people need to get involved because I believe that is one of the top priorities of the USDA is to bring the stakeholders in this country together and to try to solve these problems together. Not one person making decisions, all of us working together for the better good and how we're going to get the ball down the field because it's food, kids. We all need it. It's food. Take it seriously. Come on, let's do it. So thank you for being here, by the way. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on today. And I'm really excited to hear from people who are listening to this, watching this. Email me. I love talking about this stuff. And I'm really excited to connect with people. I love it. We'll come back. I want you to come back. We're going to keep talking about it, keep in front of people, because I think it's really important. And we'll talk about maybe some of the projects that are coming up in more detail so people can maybe better understand the project. We'll come up with whatever it is. I do appreciate you. And again, you're always welcome back. Much love to you, Peter, the kids. Thank you for hanging out with me. And, uh, you know, we're going to do it again. I'll see you soon. I know that. I'm ready for a hug. Virtual hug. Vir- yeah, that's, yeah, no kidding. I mean, Tommy John surgery after these virtual hugs. Anyways, thanks, everybody, for listening. You know, I'm super excited we had the show today and you're a part of it because it's really an opportunity for all of us to serve ourselves and serve our country. 
and to be a part of what's going to happen tomorrow in the world of food. So lean into it, get online, get on the Google machine, type it in, understand, learn like I did. I learned. I was surprised. I was shocked at the depth that I went into and what's going on. And I think that everybody that's in here is a stakeholder in what we're doing and you should get involved. And this is a really great way to do it. And look who you get to work with. Come on, you got to work with Jessica. You can't do better than that anyways. Come on. You're going to have a great time being a part and, and, and learning from her because you trust me. You will. So thanks for listening. Remember, go check us out on social media, TLC underscore conversation. We're there. Why? Because that's where the cool kids are. And that's where we hang out. Take care of everybody. Go inspire somebody today. Go tell somebody in your office. Go tell somebody at the gym. Go tell your mom, whoever it is. Go tell them you love them. You appreciate them and thank them for being in your life. Because I'm telling you, you're going to get the benefit out of that as much as they are. So stay smiling, everybody. We'll see you soon. Jess, love you. And I'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye.